0: A lot of times we start something and give up on it. I don't know what that is for you, but what have you started and then didn't really, didn't really make it all the way through? Maybe it's, what, it's almost April now, so probably most 90% of the New Year's resolutions that you had, those are gone. Uh, maybe there's 10% that you're still hanging on to, and, and you're hoping that you know, you're, you're gonna, those ones, they will last, right? Uh, I know my wife and I, one time we did this diet. <clears throat> I have a gluten allergy and there's this diet that proposed that it could heal uh, gluten allergies and all sorts of other allergies. And so uh, we, it, it's, it's a super intense diet. The first month, all you can do is really eat boiled meat, boiled vegetables. I know that sounds very appetizing. And it, uh, you basically have to kind of home make everything because you can't have any sugar, can't have any any preservatives, anything. So it's a big commitment and we had kind of gotten geared up ready to go all right day 1 we're starting for this is going to be a long you know year and a half journey day 1 started 8 I don't even know what it was, boiled onions or something for breakfast and was like, this is awful. And then lunch had like a boiled hamburger patty or something that we, that we made. And then at dinner, we were like, we can't do this. And we ordered Thai food and <laughs> it was, we gave up. Uh, we ended up doing it like a month later and then we did it for a year and a half. But, it, but at first it was like, okay, nope, we're eating Thai tonight and it, it didn't go well. Now, there's probably a lot of things that you've started but haven't necessarily endured You started, you had good intentions, you wanted to do them, you knew it was a good idea, but the hard part isn't just starting something. The hard part is enduring in something. And there can be all sorts of things, relationships, resolutions, diets, exercise, all sorts of things that we say, this is a a good idea and I want to do it, and we start, but we don't really last. And a lot of times in life, it's not the beginning of something that is difficult, but the endurance in something. It's not hard to begin a marriage, but it can be hard to endure and to stay together for decades. It's, I was talking to an older pastor this year who's just about, uh, or this week, that's just about ready to uh, retire, and I asked him, what, what's the secret? What's your, how did you endure so long in ministry? And it's, it's easy to begin something. It's easy to be excited about something, but harder to go and keep going. It's easy to begin a friendship, but it's harder to endure a friendship when there's ups and downs and people have suffering and people have sickness. And it's easy to begin at a church, to come, to come in the doors for the first time. And I know that can be kind of difficult too, to check something out that's new, but it's harder to endure, to say, I'm going to be invested. I'm going to be a part of this. A lot of times, It is easy to begin. The hard part is the endurance. The hard part is the continuing on in our faith, in our relationships, in parenting and marriage and whatever it is. Endurance is difficult. But you think about your life. You think about kind of the end goal that you have for many of those things that we just talked about and what you want it to look like. You think about, for those of you that are beginning to start your families, you think about 10 years down the road and 20 years down the road or maybe that college graduation or high school graduation and go, this is what I hope that that looks like. This is what I hope that evolves into. This is what I'm aiming for, what I'm desiring in, in all of these things. And we want to get to that place, right? We want to get to the end. We want to get to the finish line. We want to get to this beautiful kind of vision of maturity and joy and and where it leads to. But to get that takes endurance. To get that takes endurance. And it's hard because there's problems along the way. There's changes along the way. You make a plan, you set out for something and things don't go how you expect it. It is difficult to endure. But without endurance, without endurance, you will miss out on what God has for you. Without endurance, your marriage will never be what it could be. Your parenting and family will never be what it could be. Your faith with God will never be what it could be. Without endurance, we'll only experience part of what God has for us. Without endurance, you might experience one step of the journey or two steps of the journey. I can't keep going, but you'll you'll only experience part of it. You'll never get to the fullness of what God wants you to actually have without endurance. There's a lot that God wants to give to you, there's a lot that God wants for you to be able to experience in this life. There's a lot of change and maturity and development, but all of that takes endurance. So, how do we endure? How do we keep going? How do we maintain and sustain? How do we do that for the long haul? For not just a day, for not just a week, but for our life, how do we endure in the faith and the relationships and the calling and the purpose and the things that God has called us to? How do we endure? Maybe for some of you, you're afraid to get started on something because you don't know if you can make it all the way. Maybe for some of you, it is that you're in the middle of if you you began. You said yes, you wanted to work on this thing or that thing, you wanted to give your life to God, well, whatever it is, you're in the middle of it. But now you are experiencing, how do I keep going? How do I keep doing this? So maybe it's that there's a fear to begin in the first place, or maybe you're in the middle of it, or maybe you're just starting and you feel great. You're at the first step of the race. You're at the first step of the marathon and you feel great. You still have all your energy. You still are hydrated. You still feel good to go. But you need to know how to endure. You're just having your first kid. You're just starting your marriage and you feel great and you feel excited. You need to know how to endure for several decades. How do we endure? we're in this series talking about rebuilding, which is really a series about focusing our lives and our efforts and our attention on what God has for us. And we are looking at the book of Haggai, which just give me, let me give you a recap of what happened last week. The people of God have been in exile for a long time, decades and decades. And now they come back, and they begin rebuilding the temple. The temple is the place, the center of worship where God's presence dwelt. It's where they did sacrifices to know that their sins are forgiven and they can be right with God. It's where they worshiped and knew God's presence with them in this world. And the temple had been destroyed. If you were here for the book of Zephaniah, that's what prophesied would happen, and it did. The temple was destroyed, burned to the ground. People come back from exile and they rebuild the foundation. And they celebrate and they sing and they say God is good and he's faithful and it's amazing. And then it gets difficult and they stop rebuilding. And it's been 16, 18 years that just the foundation is there and nothing else has happened. And last week we talked about God speaks to them through Haggai and says, come on, let's go. Start rebuilding. It's not right that you are building your houses. It's not right that you are busy on your houses and not Building the house of God. Get to work. Let's go. That's last week. This week, we will talk about what it looks like to endure in what God has called us to. So let me read the whole passage, and then we'll go back through it. Haggai 2, 1 through 9. If you need to know where Haggai is, if you have an old-school paper Bible, um, it's really hard to find. So look at the table of contents. Or just use a digital one, and, and that'll be easy. Haggai 2, 1 through 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to the high priest Joshua, and son of Jehozadak, and to the remnant of the people. So speak to the leaders, speak to the governor, speak to the high priest, the religious leader, the political leader, and to all the people. Who is left among you who saw this house in it its former glory. How does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing by comparison? Even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. This is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all ye people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work, for I am with you. The declaration of the Lord of armies. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. For the Lord of armies says this, once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver and gold belong to me This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. The final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of armies. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. As we begin, let's explore this question. Why Is endurance difficult? We need endurance if we want to experience whatever God has for us. And they needed endurance to experience what God had for them. But why is it difficult? Why is it hard to endure? Listen, there's disobedience. And this is a little bit kind of what we talked about last week. There's a disobedience or there's an ignoring of God that never gets started in what God calls you to, right? That's one thing. One problem is God is speaking, he's calling to us, and we never even start, we never even obey, we never even begin what God has said. But oftentimes, that's not actually the issue. Oftentimes, you have said yes. You've said, okay, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to obey. And the difficulty comes in after you've actually made that choice. The difficulty comes in after you've made the decision. They rebuild. They begin. God said rebuild, and what is rare among the prophets speaking to the people of God, they actually say, okay, they respond, they obey, and they start building. And it's been about a month, and they're discouraged. It's been about a month, and they're disillusioned. It's been about a month, and they can feel that old stuff coming back in them that led to the 16 years of doing nothing to begin with. They say yes, they obey, but it gets hard to endure. Why? There's at least a couple things that we can see here. One of them is he says, don't be afraid, which means that there must have been things that they were afraid of. If God calls us not to be afraid, that must mean that there are things that cause a difficulty to endure because we're afraid. Now, this can be a lot of things in our life. For them, and I told you this last week, Ezra is written contemporary at the same time as Haggai is. And Egra is a longer book that gives us some of the context. So I just want to show you what happened this same time in Ezra. At that time, tat, tat, I think it's like Tatooine. Isn't that a Star Wars place? Tatanai, whatever. This guy, this dude. At that time, this dude, the governor of the region west of the Euphrates River, shethar Bazanai. That's a cool name, I like that one. And their colleagues came to the Jews and asked, who gave you the order to rebuild this temple and finish this structure? So they start seeing them working on the temple and they're like, "Uh, who told you you could do this? They're not happy about it. They also asked them, what are the names of the workers who are constructing this building? Very innocent question, right? When someone shows up with a notebook and says, who's the names of everyone working on this? Don't give them the answer, right? So these people, then they send a letter to the king once again, which is what they did 16 years previously, which is part of the difficulty that arose that they stopped. So the same thing that happened 18, 16 years previously, where they were being slandered, where there was an order from the king, people ordered them to stop, forcibly stop them. That process begins again. That process starts again. So think about all of that fear rushing back in. What's going to happen now? I thought God was for us. I thought we were going to be able to do this this time. I thought when we were obeying, it was going to get easier. But endurance is difficult because there's often things that come in that make it hard to keep going. Have you ever had something and you said, I'm going to obey, and it didn't actually get easier, it got harder? You said, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey God in my marriage. I'm going to, let's work on this. Let's really work on our marriage. Maybe there's difficulty and you say, okay, I'm going to commit to this, but it didn't get easier. It actually got harder. There's more stuff to deal with. The more that you kind of bring out, the more that you begin to confess, it's, there's more issues that I didn't even know you felt that way. I didn't even know this existed. You say, you know what? I want to really, I'm going to obey God in my friendships. I want to get close to people. I want to have good, authentic Christian community. And it gets harder. You were safer before just by yourself. You were safer. I'm not saying this is true of everyone, but maybe even for some of those of you that are joining online, that might be what keeps you there instead of here. That you tried Christian community, you tried Christian friendships, and it got harder. You wanted to obey God, and things got more difficult. They didn't necessarily get easier. You said, okay, I'm gonna really, at my job I'm gonna, or in my friendships or in my neighborhood, I'm gonna be more honest about my faith. I'm not gonna be a jerk, but I'm gonna be bold and, and share with people. And, and you expected that it was just gonna be like, you are Billy Graham for you young people. You don't know who that is. He's a famous Christian. And you thought you were just gonna start telling people and everyone was gonna become a Christian. And instead, you start being ostracized, criticized, sidelined, disrespected. See, a lot of times we think, as soon as I obey, things will get easy. But that's not always true. Endurance is hard. Endurance is hard because even when we obey, and often when we obey, it gets challenging. It gets difficult. We begin to feel the constraints on our time, our money, our courage, our, our energy, everything. It gets actually harder at times. You wanna you wanna disciple your kids, you parents that you say, I wanna, man, I'm gonna actually decide to love my kids and train them the way the Bible says biblically and help them come. And you go, this is a lot harder. It's easier to just say, here's a phone. That's a lot easier. Okay. Why is it hard to endure? Difficulty a lot of times happens. You feel that, right? And then secondly, secondly, our obedience, when we decide to obey, it can seem just really small. It can seem like nothing. It can seem like it doesn't even matter. Look what, look what he says to them. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing? See, because before, the temple was this beautiful, grand structure. People came from all over the known world to come and visit it. Solomon had built this massive temple. Huge, gold, silver, silver took down like huge forests to build. I mean, it was this amazing thing to behold. I don't know if you've ever seen really big, giant architectural feats of wonder. And you're just like, this is amazing. I don't know how they did this. That's what the temple was. And now they're rebuilding and it's gonna be a fraction of what it used to be. It seems like nothing by comparison. And he, some of the people, only some of the people would have been there and they would have been probably 70s, maybe even 80s that had seen it before. But he says, who saw, who among you is left that, that saw it in its former glory? And now, doesn't it just kind of seem like nothing to you? And that discouragement was hard for them. That discouragement, that's why he says, even so, so even though you're feeling this way, even though you know that this is what it's like, even though that's how your perception is, keep going. But that makes it difficult. It makes it difficult when we can look at previous times and see that it used to be better. And I don't know where you experienced that, but it can be hard to endure if you look back and say, yeah, my faith used to be better. Maybe your faith just seems weak right now. And you can look back at times where you were praying all the time and reading your Bible all the time and you loved coming to church and you felt really close to God and now you're trying to move forward in obedience but it feels like just so small compared to what it used to be. And sometimes maybe it's your relationships that you can look back and you go, there was a time, man, I had the best Christian friends and, and we would encourage each other and challenge each other and grow together and have fun together and now... I'm trying to build my friendships. I'm trying to move forward, but it's really hard to endure because it just kind of seems like nothing. Sometimes that's true in your, your marriage. You look back at better seasons. It's true in your family. It can be true even when we just look at history. Sometimes if you just look back in history and sometimes people say things like, oh, the good old days when the church had a better reputation The good old days when everyone used to go to church or the good old days when, and we can kind of look at those kinds of things and and go, it was so much better back then. And now, it's nothing. You drive around Denver, you drive around Arvada, you see tons of church buildings, which means at one time, churches were being built all over the place. And now, we see those churches selling and instead, it's a brewery, and instead, it's a condo, and instead, it's a mosque, and instead, it's a, a Buddhist temple. And these are all real examples that I'm thinking of in, in the zip codes that are close to here. And you go, it used to, it used to be at one point that everything was booming and great, and now it, it seems like nothing. Even for those of you that have maybe been a part of our church for a while, before COVID, there's a lot more people in the room, a lot less boats. A lot more people. (laughs) And it can feel like, man, it, it seems like nothing. Endurance is difficult because you can look back at previous times and go, my friendships were better, my faith was better. And it's hard to keep going with something if it feels like, this is just small. Is it even worth it? This is so small. It's nothing by Comparison. So it's hard to sacrifice to build the temple, especially in the midst of difficulty. It's hard to keep, if you've got people that are accusing you and attacking you and criticizing you and it seems like nothing, it's hard to sacrifice for that, to work for that, to serve for that, to give to that, to risk for that. That's hard to do. It's hard, but oftentimes our obedience seems really small. Somebody asks you to pray for them and you pray for them. That seems so small. It's hard to keep doing, though. It might be easy to pray for someone once. It's hard to keep praying for someone when you go, this just seems like a small little thing. It's hard to keep going when obedience seems small. Sometimes it's a really small thing to come to a community group. What is this even doing? I'm just showing up. Maybe I'm sharing a prayer request. Maybe I'm reading a book. Maybe I'm getting together with a few people and talking about my life. It seems really small. It seems really small to show up on a Sunday. What is this? Does this even make a difference? Does this even matter? A lot of times, the things that God calls us to are hard to endure because they seem really small. They just seem like small things. If God said, I need you to save the world, you might go, all right, that's a big thing. I can get on board with that. Let's go. It's only you can do this. If God came to you and said, it's only you. You're the only one. I need you. You might go, all right, I can do that. I can endure this big mission, this grand thing. But the small little things of building a temple and the temple doesn't even seem like it used to seem, it can be hard to obey when our obedience seems small. One little prayer, one text of encouragement, one conversation, one community group, one sunday all of these things can seem small but a lot of times as we build in god's work what he's doing is hard to see what he's doing is hard it's what he is doing is not the same thing as just what we see on the ground that's why even he says it seems small seems small to us there's our perception and there's god's perception So why is it hard to endure? Why is endurance difficult? Because there's areas in our life, just think about for you, where are there areas where you are wanting to obey, considering obeying, or that you are currently? Where are those areas where you're doing that and yet it's hard to keep going? It's hard to keep serving, hard to keep talking, hard to keep sharing, hard to keep giving, Hard to keep loving, hard to keep walking with someone, hard to keep prioritizing. Where where for you is that hard to do? One of the things I love about this section is that God doesn't ignore the difficulty of that. Listen how he brings his prophet to come in and speak right into that and say, listen, I know it seems small to you. I know it's kind of scary for you. I love that God addresses that. God addresses the elephant in the room through his prophet Haggai instead of just saying, "Ah, don't even think about that. Just keep pushing forward. God's actually the one that calls it out and says, doesn't this seem like nothing to you? Isn't this seem small? Aren't you afraid? Isn't this hard? Aren't you worried about it? I love that God speaks into that because what that means is wherever endurance is difficult for you right now, in your marriage, with your kids, in your faith, in your church, wherever it's difficult for you right now. God sees that and he speaks into it. He doesn't ignore it. He knows the ways that it's hard to keep going, which means he cares about those things. He identifies with those things. He knows about them in our life, just like he did in their life. And he speaks to that. This is why endurance is difficult. There's Scary things that are hard and it can seem like small stuff that we're doing. So what helps give us endurance? The natural way, oftentimes, is to run out, to not be able to keep going. The natural way I, I can run a marathon the first like minute. That's what, I could do that. I, and I'm like, all right, I started it. I did it. I can do that. But the natural way is for it to run out to run out of energy, to run out of love, to run out of time, to run out of money, to run out of diligence, to run out of commitment. That's the natural way of things with all sorts of stuff, right? That's what's natural for us. Having something doesn't mean lasting in it. So what helps us endure? Here's what it is. He gives us a few different things, but our focus is often on the difficulty. It's on the challenges. It's on the obstacles. It's on what's hard right now or what might be hard of what is to come. That's a lot of times where it is and we see that something is beyond us. Whatever those areas are for you, where you go, this is bigger than me. I can't do this. This takes more ability than I have. It takes more wisdom than I have. It takes more emotional maturity or security or bandwidth than I have. This is bigger and beyond me. We look at those areas where our resources are tapped and God speaks into that to give us endurance and says, work, for I am with you. And then same thing, my spirit is present among you. I'm with you. See, when you get to the place in your marriage, with your kids, in your faith, in trying to grow and change, in serving other people. When you get to the place where you feel, I can't keep going, my resources are tapped, he says, yes, and I am with you. I'm with you and my resources are not tapped. I'm present with you. My spirit is among you. And if you're a Christian, what we're told in the New Testament is not just that his spirit is with us, but that his spirit is inside of us, dwelling inside of us, has made his home inside of us. That when Jesus died and then resurrected, he sent the Spirit to his people to empower them and then sends them as a part of his mission in the world and says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Very similar. I am with you. There are things that you are called to do that you cannot do by yourself. You are called to parents, you are called to disciple your children. That's harder than what you have. But he is with you. You are called to reflect the beauty of the gospel in your marriage. That's harder than what you can do, but he is with you. You are called to go and make disciples in the world. That is harder than what you can do, but he is with you. You are called to be bold and to share your faith and to be an example of Jesus and to grow and to change and to mature. And to serve and love your church and to give generously beyond what you even have, Paul says. And yet, those things are beyond what you can do. But He is with you. His spirit is present among you. You have more power than just what your DNA has in it. You have more power than just the way you were born. You have Him with you. He is with you in all those things. And you know what I love? He says it here, he says it here, and last week when he first called them to build the temple again, he said it there. He said, start building the temple, I'm with you. You know what that means? They're like us. They need reminders over and over and over again. And what it means is that God knows we need that. Isn't it interesting how repetitive God is over and over again throughout the Bible? I mean, if, if you, in some ways the Bible could just be this big. And God said, There, I've said everything once. Just go reread it. But instead, God repeats himself over and over again because he knows we need constant reminders. He knows that we need constant encouragement. I didn't marry my wife and then say, Do you remember on our wedding day when I said, I love you? Yes, okay. That's going to last forever. Don't ask me to say it again. I said it once. Just remember that. Instead, I say it on a yearly basis. <laughs> I'm joking. God says things over and over again to us. I love you. I'm with you. I'm with you. If you ever get bored of the Bible, and like, why is it the same stuff over and over again? Because we need it over and over again. If I remember it all the time, God is with me, then I wouldn't need him to say it over and over again but he says it. I'm with you. I remember one time, uh, what, how am I doing on time? Great. I got an hour left. Um, so I remember one time, uh, I remember one time preaching to a church that was dying. There was maybe 20 people left, most of them in their seventies and eighties. And, and, uh, I was preaching, I didn't want to double, I, I, was, I had already made a sermon for true life, and so I didn't want to come up with a new sermon, so I just used the same sermon I had. Uh, but I, I was like, ah, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be super relevant to a bunch of older Christians, 70s, 80s, I don't know if this is going to be really relevant. It was on forgiveness. It was when Peter, uh, Jesus comes back to Peter, and he says, do you love me? And he says, yes, I love you, Lord. You know I love you. And it's this Jesus restoring Peter after Peter had betrayed him three times. Okay, there's the context, right? Look, you get two sermons today. Um, and so it's basically on forgiveness, that God forgives. And I just was like, I don't know if that's a really super relevant message to people in their 70s, 80s, haven't they? Don't they already know that? And this lady, maybe 85, 88, I don't remember, she came up to me and she just said, that, I needed that so much today. Thank you so much. I needed that so much. I was like, okay. If, if, if the simple truth of Jesus forgives you is relevant at 85 and 88, I mean, we need the same truths over and over and over and over again. And God speaks to us the same things over and over and over again because he knows we need them. That's a good God. He says, I'm with you. So what helps us endure, first of all, is that he says, I am with you in the middle of this. That gives us confidence for whatever it is that he's calling to. Even if it seems small, even if it seems challenging, even if it seems difficult, he says, yeah, but you're not alone. I am with you right now. And then the second thing is that he tells them not just about the present, he reminds them about the past. He reminds them about the past, and we we looked at it with the, the spirit part here, but it's, this is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt. See, the people of God were in slavery in Egypt long time before this, hundreds of years before this. They're in slavery in Egypt, and God delivers them and then tells them, I'm going to be with you. Now, what's interesting about this is they weren't there. This is hundreds of years have gone by. But he says, this is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt. They weren't there, but they are a part of God's people. We are a part of God's people. If you're a Christian, that means this is to you as well, even though you weren't there. And even though you weren't here, we are a part of God's people. And so the things that God does with his people, the way he speaks to them, the way he interacts with them, the way he saves them, the way he rescues them, what he promises to them, that means we can say the same thing that today I could say to you, like Haggai says to them, do you remember what God promised to you when he called you out of Egypt? Say, I've never even been to Egypt. I barely left Colorado. Well, you were in Egypt and he rescued you if you're a part of God's people. Now, why this is helpful is this, because we need sight for security. We need to see things to be able to know what's going to happen In order to feel safe, in order to feel at rest, in order to feel at peace, we need to kind of know what's going to happen. That's why a lot of times when we are kind of feeling anxious, we try to make plans for the future so that we can say, okay, I know what's going to happen. I can see it, at least on paper or at least in my mind. I I know what's going to happen, so I'm prepared. I feel confident. I feel good. It's why a lot of times we look at statistics So you look at statistics, what that is doing is saying, if I look at this, if I know I have a 60% chance or an 80% chance, all of what that is saying is based on the past, here's your evidence, you can see it, it gives you security, confidence, control in some way. But that's oftentimes difficult to actually have. A lot of times our plans don't work out, the statistics don't work out, and we thus feel anxious, we feel unsure. And so what God does here is say, Look to the past at what I've done. The future might be unknown, you might not know exactly, but look at who I've proven myself to be. Look at who I've already proven myself to be. Do you remember that your people were enslaved in Egypt and I rescued you with power, sending plagues and parting the sea. I have power to save my people. See, when we look at our life, if we want to be able to endure, we need to look at the past also the Old Testament and see how God has power how God loves his people how God intervenes how God answers prayer we need to look at the New Testament which they didn't have and see how Jesus loves his people how Jesus saves how Jesus has the power over death and sin and Satan we can look at church history and see how God has power to preserve isn't it it's a miracle that thousands of 2000 years later after the birth death of Jesus We're here. The church still exists. God has power to preserve his people. God has power to strengthen his people. God has always proven himself faithful. You can look back in your life and see. And he reminds them, look at what I have done in the past. Look at who I've already proven myself to be. In the present, we see that God is with us. That gives us confidence to do what he's called us to do. When we look at the past, it gives us trust that God will be who he's always been. Listen, who God has always been throughout Old Testament, New Testament, your life history, who God has always been is who he will be to you. That's why the verse in Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he had power then, he has power now. If he had love then, he has love now. If he had wisdom then, he has wisdom now. If he was faithful then, he will be faithful now. So you can look back and say who he has been is who he will always be to you, to you. And then he also says that you can look forward and trust his provision and what he will do. And I won't read the whole thing, but just look at these yellow parts where he says, what's going to happen? I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will shake all the nations. I will fill this house with glory. I will provide peace in this place. He is saying, there's a day coming when I will do all of this. And now listen, this is so important. Because maybe God is like some of your friends that text and say, I'm going to be there in just a little bit. God says, in a little while, I'm going to do all this. They died and didn't see it happen. So if your friend's 10 minutes late, give them grace, right? I'm going to see you in just a little bit. God says, in a little while. Jesus, by the way, said, I'm coming back soon. Like, okay, your timeline's different than my timeline. In a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm gonna shake the nations. I'm gonna fill this house with glory. I'm gonna provide peace. He says, confidence in the present, trust because of the past, and hope because of the future. All of those things allow us to endure. You need confidence that God is with you to keep going. You need a trust based on the evidence that already exists in the past. And you need a hope. That even the little things that you are doing right now, one day will amount to beyond what just you can do. He's saying, work, do things, go, endure. And then he says, because even though it seems small, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna shake. I'm gonna fill the house with glory. I'm gonna bring peace which is to say your little things that you do, the little sermons that I preach, the little conversations that I have, the little prayers that you pray, the little texts that you send, the little confession and vulnerability, the little commitments, the little books, the little devotionals you read with your kids, the little things that you do, God will make beyond and bigger than what you could imagine. They're building this little temple. And he says, I will fill this world with peace. I will shake the nations. I will fill this house with glory. that's about the temple, but it's also ultimately pointing to what Jesus is gonna do when he comes, when he came and when he comes again. Because as Jesus comes, he's the one that says, I come to bring peace. I'm the prince of peace. And he says that he is actually God's temple. And the nations begin to shake and are drawn to him as he is God's presence on this earth. And then he sends out the church In the same way. And one day he will come again. And ultimately, we'll see the ultimate fulfillment of this where the nations are shaken and filling with glory and total restoration and peace. And the little things that you do today are contributing to that. The little things that you do today that seem small are contributing to a bigger vision than any of what it looks like. It seems small but the little things are all a part of this big thing that God is doing. Final thing is this. What does endurance look like? It's hard to endure because there's often difficulty when we obey. And because it can seem really small. Is it even worth it? Does it even make a difference? What helps us endure is really remembering God's past, present, and future presence and promise and provision To us. So what does it actually look like? What does it actually mean to endure? And it's simple. It's really this. This is such a short little verse, but this is really the message that all of this is couched in, which is work, for I'm with you. Work. That's it. That's the, that's the command that's, whoa, that's the command that's here. Work. Last week, the command was go to, go up into the woods, cut down the lumber and build. This week, second command. Work, which is really just, they're already doing it. Keep going, keep doing it. Work, that's the command. Now, that, you have to look at your life because I don't think anyone is building a temple in their backyard. I hope you're not. That's a little strange. You hear the goats. Bah! You know, so I think that's kind of a goat. <laughs> thats It's not bad, right? My goat game is decent. Uh. By the way, we have a petting zoo on Easter and we might just, you know, keep one of those animals for our temple project. He says, work, you're not building a temple. So what does work mean for you? I don't know. But it means to, last week it was build the temple, which is really connected with Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God which means to be about God's purposes, God's priorities, to focus our life on that. That's what it means. To give our energy, to give our hearts, to saying, what you say is what matters, I'm building my life around that. I'm building my life on your kingdom, for your kingdom. We don't build physical temples, but we do use our lives to focus on him, in our church, in our families, in our marriages, in our communities. We should be saying, I am building your purposes in my life. I'm not busy building my own home. I'm not busy with all of my stuff. I am focused, disciplined, diligent on what you have. Today, whether you haven't started in that or you are doing it already like they were, what he says is work for I'm with you. That means keep going, keep serving, keep loving, keep giving, keep helping, keep speaking, keep texting, keep praying. Keep encouraging, keep showing up, work. Listen, there is so much that we cannot control. So much that we can't control, right? There's so many things that you can't change, that you can't control, but there are things that God has given you to do that you can control. There's a million things that you might be concerned about, even in the world, right? You might look and go, oh man, there's a lot of stuff that's on my heart, that's heavy. There's a lot that you can be concerned about, but there's a small amount that you are responsible for that God has actually said, Work. Give yourself to it. And those are the things that we need to endure in. And listen, sometimes what we do is we try to figure out what the outcome is gonna be. Okay, once I figure out what the outcome is gonna be, once I figure out how the conversation's gonna go, once I figure out how it's gonna look, once I know that everything will go well, then I'll get started and do it. That's not what God calls us to do. God says, get to work, trust me with the outcomes do what I've called you to do, trust me with how, what the results are gonna be. We don't base our obedience to God on our understanding of what the outcomes are gonna be. We have to work and do what he's called us to and trust him with the outcomes. Same thing with them. They have to build, hoping, praying that the king doesn't stop them again, that people don't forcibly come in and stop them again. They have to trust God with what he has said to do and leave the outcomes to him. Where are you waiting to get started? Where have you given up? Where are you just weary? He says, I am committed to you, so work. I am committed to you. I am present with you, so work. And then the last thing of what endurance looks like Very simply, and we've already kind of said it, but over and over again, he says, be strong, be strong, be strong, which is really connected to work, but it's it's not just activity. There's an inner emotional experience of what that means. Be strong. See, God doesn't just want us to begrudgingly obey him. He doesn't just want us to do the things, but feel really uneasy or feel anxious or feel worried or feel dreading it. He wants us to be strong, which comes from all the things that we already looked at. So in some ways, it's not really a a unique or separate command. It comes from all of the stuff, the confidence in who God is and where he is and what he will do and what he has done. But he wants you to have and to give to you an inner resilience and commitment that is able to be strong no matter what takes place. So work and do it With strength, which means we ask God for that. Whatever areas, listen, whatever areas are hard for you to endure in, get to work and ask God, strengthen me. God, I can't do this myself. Strengthen me. Help strengthen me, remembering what you've done for me before and what you've done for your people. Strengthen me with those truths. God, strengthen me today. If you're about ready to go into a conversation, if you're about ready to do something that's hard for you if, you're, if you, if you know that you should engage in something and you know it's difficult, you pray, God, give me strength. Give me strength. And then you get to work. And you look at the future and you go, God, I know that this seems small. I know it's hard to keep doing this and keep serving and keep loving and keep having conversations and keep going. It's hard. God, give me strength. Remind me what you will do with all of my little efforts, how you will fill it with glory. Lord, give me strength. What it looks like to live with endurance is we work and we ask God to give us the strength to do what he's called us to do. You have, in some way, started. In some way, you've started. Maybe today is the first time. I don't know. Maybe you're not even a Christian and this is the start for you. You have started in some way in what God has called you to do. But we don't want to just start. We don't just want to begin. We want to endure. That's what we want. You want to get to the place, the finish line, of what God has for you. We want to be able to endure, and it's hard. How do we do it? We have to look beyond to what God will do. We have to look at who he's been, and we have to look that he's with us now. Imagine what could happen in your life, in our church, in your relationships, in your just purpose in life. Imagine what could happen with people that endure, that don't give up. Imagine what could happen. Imagine what could happen with decades of commitment to God. That is a beautiful thing. That is something, and then imagine not even just our efforts, but God filling it with glory. That's what God is inviting us into. That's what he is calling us into, which is why endurance is so important. We're going to take communion. If you're a Christian and you um, didn't get a cup on the way in, we've got little cups in the back. And when we take communion, we are looking back to his faithfulness to us on the cross. We're looking back to God's presence here on this earth on the cross, how Jesus came into the world. He died the death that we should die. He lived the life that we should live. He he shook the nations. He filled the world with his glory on his arrival. We look back at that. We thank him for what he did and what he's done. And then as we take communion, we also look forward. Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. Remembering what he has done, but remembering also that he will come again. And so as you take communion, remind yourself of his beautiful, faithful forgiveness to you, even for all the ways that we have not lived as he calls us to. Remember his faithfulness to you. And remember that he will one day come again, which imbues all that we do now with meaning and purpose. So take some time, confess where you need to confess. Ask God for strength in specific things that you know you need him in. Tell him that you want to be a part of rebuilding your life focused on him. Father, I thank you for your promises that you give to us, your encouragement that you give to us, how you speak to us and remind us over and over and over again of the same truths that we need. You are with us, you've been faithful to us, and you will be faithful to us. Let these truths rest in our hearts, and as we sing and take communion, as we respond to who you are, Lord, build our faith, build our strength. Pray that you would do this in your name, Jesus. Amen.